Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are coming to you live from a couple of places on the internet. We are live over on YouTube. We're live on Crowdcast. We're coming to you later as an audio podcast wherever you get your later. audio podcast. It's all good. But we have a bunch of great guests for you this uh, evening. Yeah. I'm very excited to bring them in. Very excited to talk to them. So I'll tell you what. Let's cut oh, through you the chit chat. You gonna jump? Wait, but Alex, you haven't checked in with us. You haven't checked yeah, out. We yeah. could be going through. You don't even know what. Oh my god, what's what's going on with you guys? Yeah, I mean, look wrong? at that scary dungeon he's coming from. I'm in the, the dungeon, and That's all I want to do is get the show started. Alex, I don't know why you're wasting time with this chit chat. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I was trying to check in with Pete. I was trying to find out what was going on with Pete. You don't want. You don't want. We don't have this, time right? for this, Pete. Yeah. We don't know. You're probably going to talk about Arrow or something. We don't have time for that. Let's get into it. Pete, who has been identified by our first guest as Stephen King esque. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, later in the show, and just a note for our guests who are listening to live right now, I originally told them they were coming at first. Unfortunately, we're going to have to switch you and do you second. Uh, Lee Lieberman and, uh, uh, oh my gosh, Ryan Silver. Ryan Silver. Yes, I'm blank for a second. Are coming in second here. But first, we are going to bring in Matthew Clickstein, who is the creator and writer of See You at San Diego, an oral history of Comic-Con fandom and the triumph of geek culture. Matthew, welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank you, thank you. Oh my gosh, thank you for coming on. You have a, I would call it, massive tome coming out of the graphics. This is, I mean, I I think people can tell from the title how big this is, but this was... Wild wow. to flip through. It's big. Yes, yeah. very it's big. like going back in time, man. Pictures. It's glorious. So it is. I, pictures and I, I, I love this. This is basically like an entire oral history of San Diego. You got these incredible interviews, <laughs> incredible pictures throughout. Uh, I mean, just to take it back to the beginning, you know, we're all obviously we've as geeks as nerds, we like been to San Diego. We love San Diego, but where did it start with deciding? okay, maybe I want to do an oral history of this because that's decades. <laughs> I don't know if it was, it was a lot. It was a lot of work. Yeah. And to be clear, um, it actually goes back, I would say, uh, even to the 1930s, the first real organized convention, which was a science fiction convention, of course, was the Worldcon in 1939 in New York. And um, we go all the way back there, even a little bit before that, there's some discussion of Mary Shelley and, and science fiction and Frankenstein. Really what it is, is it's an oral history of all of pop culture fandom uh, over the last century. The reason we focused a bit on San Diego Comic-Con is because it gave us a bit of a narrative thrust to talk about the prehistory history and then the expansion of what is actually the largest pop culture gathering worldwide. San Diego is not just where they do the Eisners. San Diego is not just considered the Mecca of conventions. Guinness Book of World Records has called it the largest in the last few years, obviously since during and since COVID, it's hard to tell now, but um, that was originally the idea was this would be a way to tell all of pop culture history of the last century through this kind of cipher of San Diego. Otherwise it would have been 50,000 pages instead of 500. (laughs) There's a lot in there though, that goes way beyond San Diego, way beyond the convention. They talks about other conventions. So it's really about the the community that San Diego is kind of the nexus for. Well, and the other thing that we should probably mention, please correct me if I'm wrong about this, but it really does focus at least mostly in terms of the interviews and other things on comic books as well. Like at this point, Comic-Con is this huge amorphous thing that is movies and TVs and video games and 
anime and manga and candy. video games and candy Did barbecue you for this is barbecue. Candy for food. Sure. barbecue it's buses it's cars it's pizza yeah. i could keep going anyway yeah. it's a lot of stuff but you definitely do it through the lens of where it started which is comic books so other than loving comic books why why keep it focused on that Actually, you know, that's one of the themes and subplots of the book is Comic-Con was never just about comics, ever. It was always in the very beginning they were bringing in science fiction like Ray Bradbury. There was fantasy. There was toys. There was movies, animation. Very early on, they were bringing in people like June Foray and Bob Clampett from the animation world. There was a special section just for Star Trek as early as 1973, and the con started in 70. Uh, it was inspired in part by a festival in Detroit called the Triple Fanfare, uh, which the founder mm -hmm. of Comic-Con, Shel Dorff, had been a part of. And it was called Triple Fanfare in Detroit because it was comics, movies and animation, and science fiction. It was not just comics. So Comic-Con was never just about comics. And a lot of the people who created it said that from the beginning. In fact, they asked Jack Kirby if it should just be a traditional comic book convention where really it's a dealer's room, if you think about it back then, or if it should hit all pop culture spheres. And Kirby was the one who told them, do it all. So they did. So it was always about yeah, everything. And that, again, goes back to why I chose it to kind of focus on, to tell the pop culture nostalgia, pop culture fandom story of the last century um was was through that because so many people came through there i mean look they had chuck norris at the 1975 con talking about what really happened to bruce lee they would show martial arts movies a lot of the people who created comic-con were very into martial arts movies and bruce lee both because they appreciated the artistry of it and they were very interested in lots of different things like kung fu movies but also if you think about it bruce lee just like the way that professional wrestlers would later come in especially in places like chicago they were considered like real life superheroes in a way. Bruce Lee is one of the closest that we'll see on screen, right. at least now, to a real life superhero. So that was happening. They had magicians coming in. They had people doing yo-yos. As you said, like the, the toys and the candy and everything now, that was there in early on. And they intentionally wanted it that way. I even talked with a few of them about why then did they cho choose Comic-Con as the name, which was a little bit later down the road anyway, because it kept changing. Because even San Diego wasn't a very well-known place at the time. Um, and, and they said there was a lot of discussion about it. So, and real quick to wrap it up too, I will say that I, you know, that's why even with the book, I didn't want to just focus on comics. I didn't want it to be, to seem like comics was really all that it is. There's so much other stuff to it. There's whole chapters and sections that have nothing to do with Comic-Con or comics at all. Stuff in the nineties about special effects and Jurassic Park, mm. movies like that, Terminator 2. So I really wanted to hit everything. Um, so yeah, it's not just about comics and it never was. And I think that's one of the interesting parts of the story is because a lot of people think, oh, Comic-Con's not about comics anymore. It never was ever. And so I think that's a, you know, something that we sort of discuss, you know, from the people who made it happen. And it's basically the really, first, sorry, the very first really internet. quickly because we're, uh, we're looking at a picture of me on screen. I don't know if you recognize <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Uh, you're, you're the kid in the background. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You wish yeah. you look like that. Come on, dude. <laughs> I wish on. I had that shirt. Um, yeah, that looks sweet. That, that picture was actually taken uh, in 2020, believe it or not. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was during a, a food a food rally. Yeah, comic <laughs> books there too. Uh, we're uh, looking at a page here, but can we talk about the design of the book as well? Because I I love it. It really feels. Um, it adds that sort of. Uh, the the just the photo design and sort of the scrapbook nature of it makes it feel like so authentic and sort of 
the way it feels to be at Comic-Con where you're just putting it all together from a bunch of different things you're a fan of. Yeah, uh, you know, I I told the designer from day one that once I saw the proofs that uh, I would always say his name and spell it. It's Jonathan Barley, B-A-R-L-I. He did a, a remarkable job. You'll see there on the right side, it looks like there's uh, archival folder uh, sections that were the way that he did that on the left. That is the book, there, you know, or that paper clip over the picture of Jeff Smith, who's one of the people who did forwards. I wanted it to really have a really a zine DIY type of feel. Um, I'm very fascinated by the zine scene, especially the uh, late '80s, early '90s kind of hardcore punk scene and riot girl scene, um, and just that that kind of you know the mimeograph, the Xerox, the whiteout, the the. I told even the designer, you know, if we could have some things like you see the, the highlighter there, um, some of the captions are written in like it looks like they're written in with ink. We wanted to have this real archival feel to it. And at the same time, Jonathan Barley, the designer, had just done a project on uh, punk culture and zine culture. And he showed me some of the work he had done. And we were able to use that as a reference point. As I must say, and one of the reasons I went with them, I used we used it as a reference point for this kind of design um, that's a little bit more creative, a little bit more dynamic. Um, we told you so, the Fanographics oral history that came out a couple mm. of years ago. And it was actually one of the things that inspired me to want to reach out to Gary and Fanographics to do this book. Because I said, if they can do it like that, I would love to do this. Because I've, I've worked with other companies doing oral histories before, including Penguin, with my first big one, uh, the Nickelodeon book. And, and I kind of knew, especially these days, if I went with a major publisher, like a HarperCollins or Simon Schuster, one of the ones I've worked with before, they wouldn't have given it the same kind of uh, finesse and and passion that Fanographics and Gary would give. You know, it would have been a 200-page book with maybe, if I'm lucky, you know, a couple pages of black and white inserts of photos in the middle. It wouldn't be this massive friggin' thing that's full color and yeah, with like, I mean, you know, it's got the it's it's a very visually pleasing book and Fanographics is going to do that. Other companies aren't going to, you know, invest that kind of resource into it. So I'm glad I went with them. And Jonathan did a fantastic job. So now, cool. I think probably the answer is just chip away at them. But when you have a massive amount of interviews like this, decades of material you're sifting through, where do you start when you're putting <laughs> this story together? How do you start tackling it? That's that's a really good question that no one's really asked me before. Um, you know, look, I, I've done long-form oral histories before. As I said, I did the Nickelodeon one for Penguin, which somehow ended up as a clue on Jeopardy a couple weeks ago. I still don't know ah, that happened. You love I to hear it. I don't even watch – yeah, I don't I don't watch Jeopardy, but I was getting all these text messages from friends, and one guy even films – or doesn't film, but uh, records every episode, so he filmed the scene. But, yeah, so – and I've, I've done short-form versions of it before as well. I read a lot of oral histories – I love Studs Terkel, James Andrew Miller, mm. who did the great, uh, you know, SNL uh, uh, oral history and a bunch of others. He just yeah. did the HBO one. Please Kill Me, obviously, the Legs McNeil book. The the guys who did the MTV book did a great job uh, from, <laughs> from Spin originally. But um, so, and I love documentaries. I love both watching them and, again, I also make them. So, and I, I saw this as a documentary, as you guys might know. Um, this actually started technically as a podcast series we did with Sirius XM. I originally wanted to do it as a book. We started getting stuff going for it. COVID happened. Suddenly ah. everything was a big mess. 
And I had a friend who was a producer at Sirius XM and said they were trying to do some um, more. Let me turn the light on so I actually can see me. Uh, do, do, uh, some more, uh, okay. do some more original. That's uh, me. Do some more. Wow. Glasses, <laughs> beard. Oh, yeah. man. Great. So they, they wanted to do more original content. So I was able to move the project over there just to keep it going so that we could actually get their interviews done. Like I needed support. I needed help. And so we did it first with the podcast series. That's when I did the interviews. and got about 70 hours of material. Um, and then, you know, the podcast series is about seven hours called Comic-Con Begins, just because we did it with Sirius. Don't worry, it's free everywhere, so you can find it wherever you'd like. Um, but that was only about four or five hours of the material, because there was also a lot of music and archival stuff and stuff of bring Stevens, one of our interviewees, doing some some hosting, the kind of interstitial stuff. So I had about 10 times the material left after the <laughs> podcast series, and I wanted to get it out there. I wanted to go deeper into certain things. I wanted to be able to talk about topics that we did not talk about in the podcast series, including I was interviewing these people during COVID and with the virtual stuff happening and whatnot. So I actually got people to talk about it somewhat in real time. I mean, Kevin Smith is talking in our thing about, you know, what he thinks the future is going to be at Comic-Con after COVID's over. And I think that that's very interesting material that I wanted to get down into historical documentation. Uh, so that's here too. As far as where to start, you know, I, I it's just like anything else. It's where you start a painting or where you start a st- any story. The corner, you know? right? Exactly. <laughs> right over there. Yeah. You, you, well, well, what you do is is you make sure that you um, are coordinating um, the numbers on your painting yeah. to what exactly. the color on your instructions. <laughs> Ones no, are blue. Yeah. Yeah. No, I got you. I, uh, yeah. So really, I, the real answer is I just Googled it. You know, what was what's the start of my book? And it was it was there. There was actually a lot of different. <laughs> some of it was, some of it was They were like, start at the first. <laughs> yeah. Number. The stuff from Breitbart it was all it was really biased. I felt, but, um, <laughs> Uh, the, the point is, no, I just, it's fine. No one's ever asked me that before. I just, because I guess I've done it so many times before, I just go. And certain, when I'm doing interviews, it really stays in my head. And certain quotes, certain ideas, certain phrases do sometimes inspire me. Like, I'll know, I knew in my Nickelodeon book and I knew in this what the last line was going to be. You know, yeah, someone yeah. said it, one of the interviews I did for the Nickelodeon book, I remember hearing it and being like, that's going to be the last line of the book. And so, too, with this, Funnily enough, it's 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 one of the few interviews that exists with Shel Dorf, the founder of Comic Con, wow. talking about the importance of um, uh, the importance of sharing when it comes to fandom. And the last line of the whole book is, you know, the story. He tells this funny story, quote unquote, of uh, a fan who saw Godzilla and couldn't talk with anybody about it, so his head exploded. And he just basically is explaining the importance of sharing. And this is actually, he said it at the at the first Comic-Con, I'm sorry, in 1970, that's where he said it. We had an archival thing of him talking about it. And I just remember hearing it going like, that's the answer to the whole thing. And it's got to end with the founder, Sheldorf. It starts and that's ends cool. with, yeah. So other than that, though, I just kind of let things go. It really is like a puzzle. I really enjoy, it's like putting together a documentary. I really enjoy taking all the interviews and kind of cutting them together to tell the story it's really fun i very much enjoy not only reading but making oral histories and i'd like to make more mm. so yeah it's a fun process uh, i oh. mean first of all r.i.p to that kid who couldn't talk to anybody about godzilla that's a very oh. sad story but thank you for head exploded it. i'd love to oh, see it was in the news yeah oh wow it was, it was yeah all right i'll, I'll google it there was, there was uh, some <laughs> sensitive stuff about it on twitter though so they, <laughs> but uh I, I, I don't know if you refer to this as spoilers when you're talking necessarily about this book, but <laughs> since there are a lot of questions about the future of Comic-Con and where those things are going, whatever you feel comfortable sharing, I, I'd be interested to hear 
what you think the future of a Comic-Con is in general, particularly as here in New York, we're on the cusp of New York Comic-Con, and there's a lot of questions about that. Sure. Well, well, one thing is you got to remember, Sandy. One other thing that makes San Diego unique is that it's a nonprofit and always has been. So San Diego uh, has some advantages that, like a New York Comic Con, that's that's corporate run and repop and everything. Like there's there's certain kinds of things that they have to deal with that San Diego does not have to deal with. Obviously, there's also downsides for them being a nonprofit right. and not having that corporate support that um, that Reed Pop has and, and that, that that some of the other larger conventions have that are corporate run. Um, like anything else, you know, having that corporate support there is is helpful and hurtful at the same time. Uh, it can lead to making your Batgirl movie that you've always wanted to make for ninety million dollars, but it can also lead to you know what we're not going to put it out. We're not going to tell you about it. Ah, um, so you know so it's like what are you going to do? But the point of story is that um, you know so San Diego is different in that regard. So I don't know if you can compare it to what might go on with the future of New York or even any other convention um, that's of its size and nonprofit. It's another thing that makes San Diego extremely unique. It's supposedly supposed to be you know, fan made and fan run. And that's the nonprofit aspect, obviously, even with nonprofits. And as we know, with any nonprofits, especially large ones, there's, you know, there's people making money and there's things going on behind the scenes and it is what it is. Um, it's business in America or the world at all today. It's all venal and corrupt. Uh, that's the point of it. But, um, but, you know, San Diego at least has this patina of, you know, volunteerism and the nonprofit aspect and so forth. So, you know, from what I understand and what I know, uh, I would say that we'll we'll see what happens over the next couple of years. And they'll probably make some decisions based on a couple more. I mean, this was a very strange summer. And even the, even the New York one coming, like, it's still kind of right off of the pandemic. I have an, uh, an older book of mine that came out uh, during the pandemic that is now being re-released as a paperback. And the publisher outright said, let's see what happens post-pandemic. And I have a few other friends whose publishers with books are doing the exact same thing. We see that they're re-releasing movies in the theater. Um, you know, I, I think that they still are going to need to and want to experiment for another season or two before they make any drastic decisions. And I think San Diego is no different. Obviously, the dent in their financial place was rough to deal with, as was certain reputation problems and certain losses of partners and things. Just the fact that during the virtual time, a lot of companies like Disney and DC, you know, decided to start doing their own virtual events. And we don't really need San Diego now. DC closed their down, from what I understand. But, you know, Disney's still going to keep doing its thing. Other brands are, and streaming services and studios are going to start doing their own thing more and more. They're not going to need San Diego as that centerpiece anymore, maybe. Or they'll find in the next year or two more and more people coming back to it and they're realizing, oh, shoot, we do need to play nice with those guys and go back there. So I don't think anyone can or will know for at least another year or two to see what really happens when this 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 last convention season, the one we're in now, is still an asterisk. It's still not real. We can't really tell yet. It's not a, it's not a controlled experiment. So it we're feels still like, dealing with that. Yeah, it feels like everybody have. just wants more and more. Like the fact that like the earnings call for all these big media corporations are like news. It's like a big news item. And it's like the earnings call where they talk to their investors. So it, it feels like eventually this is me just spitballing. They will have to just be everywhere. And San Diego continue will continue to be its hub. But all these everyone wants news more and more. 
Yeah, I mean, I think also, and this is a good thing, and I've been saying this since day one, and it's something that I've really always written a lot about and fought for and been very vocal about, especially since I've been a bit of a nomad since leaving L.A. in 2009. I've lived all over the country, and aside from New York a few times, it was mostly in the Midwest area with smaller, typically college towns, but still smaller towns in different places. Um, and I would always get very, very, very involved in that community, and I would push the idea of we need to have these community get-togethers and gatherings, and I'd always do try to do special programming at the local movie theaters, and I would try to do theater stuff with with the, the kids in the town, which is something I enjoy doing, and working with different groups, and, and just doing things to, to, to have stuff for, for younger people, to have stuff for older people, to really get everyone together, and it's something I've always enjoyed doing in whatever community I'm in, including where I am now in Dayton. We moved here literally a month before COVID, and I'm always pushing for more community events. And to me, that includes special movie screenings. Um, and I think that more and more people are seeing now and wanting again to be with other people out in the world. I think we're going to start seeing, you know, I could be wrong. I know commutes are awful. They really are. But I think we're going to start seeing more and more people wanting to go back to the office just to be around other people, to commiserate in the lunchroom. Look, with, with work from home, you can't unionize as easily. There's not as much trust. You're not looking at the person yeah. in the eye, even when you're doing stuff over Zoom. This has a lot of effect over how labor uh, disputes are handled and things, which is something I think a lot of people forget about or don't think about. When you're all working from home, it's harder to con consolidate concerns or whatnot in a way that you feel safe because you're when you're mediated through a screen or Slack, obviously, you're never going to feel comfortable not really great. speaking your mind. It's so, I tried to form a union with my dog and two daughters, and we're not getting anywhere. <laughs> I'm just saying I think more people are going to want to go back to the office. More people are going to want to go to the movie theater. More people are going to want to go to conventions because that's how we are. We are social creatures. We really are. And we want to get out. We want to be around. And, and kids especially. I mean, so many of them went through. That was a horrific period for them as far as the isolation. And it raised suicide levels and everything else. And kids want to go out and experience these things. They they haven't gotten to. There are kids who are, you know, three or four years old during COVID. And now they're like seven or eight um, and uh, or six or seven. And they can really remember and see if they went, if they go to Comic-Con now. They can really see it for the first time. So I hope families will consider that and and you know we we need to be together so i think that the convention scene is going to hopefully continue being strong and get stronger it just again might take some time but we'll see but it's hard you know so it all comes down to money and reputation and what partners are going to be involved or not being involved so you know yeah. uh well listen i know we're gonna have to let you go in a second but the book is out now coming the book out. is out yeah it came out okay. september 6th Right. Um, and there's also an audiobook version that came out, I think, last week. But the book is mm -hmm. out. Um, as I tell people, please support your local bookstore, support your local comic book store, and still leave a review on Amazon because the more of those we <laughs> yeah. get, the more it pushes the recommendation <laughs> algorithm. And apparently, you can talk about this, and I'm going to, and I don't care because, you know, it's a terrible system the way that it works. <laughs> but we have to play in the game. As Tupac said, you can't be an angel in hell. So, um, get it at your local bookstore or comic book shop, help them out, but still put a review on Amazon because that helps us. That's out. great. We all have awesome. to play that evil video game. Love it. Matthew, congratulations on the book. It thank is so phenomenal. Cool. I can't wait for everybody to check it out if they haven't already. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Have a good right, rest we'll of your day. Share okay, or your heads will explode is the deal. Yeah. <laughs> bye. <laughs> All right, there we go. Once again, the book is called See You at San Diego, An Oral History of Comic-Con Fandom and the Triumph of Geek Culture, as mentioned. It is out now 
from Fantagraphics. It is uh it is it's really fun to not only look at but to kind mm-hmm. of like just experience. I mean, the stuff before your time, it's crazy to kind of see picture, pictures of yeah. young... And Pete, when you say that, that's just like the first section for you, right? It's before your time. Just as old as I am, you motherfucker. Let me, exactly. Right. You got the two old ones. Let me say real yeah. quick, uh, this book reminds me of when we did, uh, when we were at New York Comic Con doing interviews, and I sat down with Neil Gaiman, and as Alex says, hearts literally hovered over my head while I was doing it. But he looked out, and before we were even rolling on the interview, he was like, he's looked at the crowd and from the skybox below, and he's like, this is what we always wanted. This is what, when and Alan and I and others were first getting together, this is what, beyond our wildest dreams, this is what we fantasized it could be. And to see it now. And I feel like if that quote, since it was just said to me, is probably not in this book, but I feel like this book encapsulates that quote. Yeah, and just to mention, when Neil was looking out, he was watching Pete eating a roast beef sandwich on the con floor. <laughs> That's what he had already This is what he imagined. This is over Pete, there, that guy. He was like, Pete in the bathroom line. Pete in the bathroom line. Classic Neil Gaiman, calling people sloppy sons of bitches. That's right. You know it's his quote. It's on the back of a lot of his books. I know. I remember that in Sandman. All right, why don't we bring in our next two guests. The, we are welcome them back to the show to once again talk about Alliances. This time it is a graphic novel form called Alliances Orphans. It's coming out from Dynamite. Ryan Silbert and Luke Lieberman, everybody. Luke is here first. Hello, Luke. How are you? Hey, how you doing? Good. Right. Good to see you. Uh, while we're waiting for Ryan to make his way in, I hear you are heading off to Bulgaria very soon. Is that correct? Yeah, Sunday. It's my. I'm going back. I was there for the beginning of the shoot. He's. We're shooting Red Sonia uh, in Eastern Europe. I was oh, wow. uh, there for the beginning of the shoot, and now I'm going back for the last two weeks while we kind of wrap out. Um, and awesome. you're you're playing Red Sonia in the movie, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, they only needed me for a few weeks on either side. Yes. Uh, well, that is very cool. Now that Riot is here as well. Hello. Welcome, guys. Great to have you back. Great to talk about this. So hey, this guys. is there's been a bunch of different iterations of alliances at this point. You've had a couple of novels. You've had audiobooks, But I believe this is the first time. And we talked about this the last time yes. you guys were on. I believe this is yeah. the first time it's actually in comic book form, which Woo-hoo. given it started with Stan Lee and then working its way back to comics, this feels like kind of a homecoming in a way, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, at, at the time, you know, when we were, if Stan, Stan didn't want to begin this in comics, obviously mm-hmm. something he easily could have done, but he had a lot of experience in that media and wanted to try something different, which is why we started out uh, with Audible as an audiobook. But after uh, after doing a couple of books with Audible, it just felt right. Um, there's a particular story in there that the, the prologue is something we wrote with Stan. And it's um, it was sort of the, the genesis of this whole universe. Like that scene is kind of the the first sort of kernel that we created with him. And it just felt it it. It was first of all, it's also a story that demanded visual storytelling. I mean, it's very big, sort of cosmic, sort of bombastic, yeah. colorful story with oh, those yeah. kind of characters. So it kind of demanded it. But yeah, it also just kind of felt like it felt like kind of time to come home. Yeah. Uh, now, before we get too into it, there is one thing that I wanted to mention to you guys that uh, you did not create. The, the we have a CBC chef 
uh, our comic book club chef, Brett Macris. He stray bullets. Uh, every stray once bullies. in a while, he creates a drink based on some of our guests. And he did create one this week that I wanted to share with you guys. I'm going to bring it Aww. up here. It is called the orphan or the orphans. Maybe stray <laughs> bullet can. Can I make it uh, home? Clarify, but I'll, I'll read it off to anybody listening to the audio podcast. Yes. So it's a uh, bourbon, Campari, Contro, squeezed lemon, two dashes of Peach House bitters, two to three inch sprigs of rosemary, and a lemon peel. And I'll read the description <laughs> that he wrote here. Much like the characters, this cocktail is based upon these ingredients, must become a family to save the very fabric of reality. <laughs> Maybe not that dramatic, but this is an awesome cocktail based around four characters in Ryan Silbert and Luke Lieberman's newest work, Lions' Orphans. Autocrack there. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the self-loather of dark secrets. Campari for critter, equal part monster and puppy. Control Aww. for hive, the childlike leader. So and cute. a smoking rosemary sprig for haze, the guy mostly made of vapor so there you go very delicious cocktail created for all of you and for all of you out there uh, if you'd like to check it out he always drops this on our patreon slack patreon.com slash comic book club but there you go feel free to make yourself i love uh, it the orphans or the orphan my my heart my heart is warm but by this by this because i (laughs) I started in this i started working in spirits so i love this i just love oh, nice. I have another my, homecoming my, yeah you might see tears coming out of my eyes but um oh. you know <laughs> let me just can you see <laughs> little <laughs> bourbon rosemary <laughs> tears <laughs> well so talk about this book then a little bit for let's say for people who have never checked out alliances before none of the novels none of the audiobooks or anything i think from having read it this book really stands on its own as its own adventures and characters obviously it's helped if you know it's come before but what can people expect what's sort of the setup for the world as you're going into this graphic novel well we were very conscious actually that we want new readers to be able to come in without having a phd in the alliances universe and be able to just sort of roll in and enjoy the story um the the basic setup is that there's an inventor who um, he's been captured by the hive. He's been enslaved by them and makes them weapons that they use to take over, uh, the galaxy. He turns his greatest weapon against them and uses it to wipe them out. And then he pieces out with that weapon later. Ultimately you find, if you know more about the universe that he's hiding out on earth with his ultimate weapon, this is about what happens to the rest of the universe because there's this massive power vacuum and he's left all of these inventions behind. Um, and whoever gets their hands on them um, ultimately will control the fate of the galaxy. And the thing about the inventor is he, he's sort of irresponsible. You know, he's a bit of the absent-minded professor. So he just, he just makes shit up and creates stuff. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really think through what's going to be done with his creations once he's done with them. So yeah. in the center of this story is the center of every galaxy. There's a supermassive black hole. And he was mining the energy uh, from the quasar that's emitted from that black hole so greedily that he creates a feedback loop that destabilizes the black hole and threatens the fabric of space time in the galaxy. Let me know if you've heard one of these before. (laughs) (laughs) You you know, typically, if if this was a movie, we would have a stack of papers and a pencil, and we would just poke it through the the paper. Yeah, (laughs) and and that would would be the and that's That's basically hungry. Right, we'd say something like, "Whoa, English, please." 
yeah, something yeah. like that. Good. Yeah. But the yeah, idea was... <laughs> is that as the hive would wipe out a planet, they would keep one specimen, like one kind of unique specimen from me from the species. Mm, that, that's cool. You know, so they so they ca- so each of the orphans is the last of their kind. They're a lone survivor, and they've been sort of cobbled together into this found family that ultimately sort of has to band together to to save us all. Yeah. For us, it's like, you know, these adventure stories are like you were saying before about how we came out of audio. Like so much of like for us, the Alliance's universe is like an homage, but it's also like a love letter to like all of the mediums that informed, um, you know, comic book storytelling where we are today. So it's like a throwback in a way, but it moves us a little bit forward. That's why like, I don't know, when I met Nick at Dynamite through Luke, Luke's been publishing with him for many years. It's like it's such a perfect kind of relationship to have to release something like this because, you know, Nick is a huge history buff of of comics and like you kind of have to know where we've been to know where we're going and that's sort of like what like what this is about for us is like you know if you love comics at any stage of the last hundred years this should feel you know like something special. Yeah, this was kind of you know our our sort of. Um, mm anchor for this or our, our true north was you know tales of suspense journey into mystery like those kind right. of those kind of yarns that's kind of where we wanted you know yeah. we wanted as kind of a starting point for this yeah uh, uh what was it since ahead. you moved you moved through the different sort of um mediums coming to comics uh how did each one inform uh, the comic and sort of going forward like where your next uh move is uh, when it comes to where <laughs> are you going to be on like stone tablets um holograms like uh we'll see well we'll see we're, we're already um deep into the stone tablet market right. um, <laughs> smart, smart we're early we're an early stands the test of time <laughs> yeah. Yeah. i mean what the, Stone tablets, so hot, so hot, so hot right now. Yes, yeah. we have a tin. We have a special foil edition. Um, <laughs> well, you know, if you open up, triple gatefold is really hard to do. <laughs> in, in here, there is some foil. I mean, we have to oh, pay some love to the nineties. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We, um, the the original idea when we when we started out in audio is that Stan wanted the um, he wanted to create this kind of rapport with the listener where they could close their eyes and sort of become their yeah. own artist and be their own Dicko or Kirby, you know, in sort of imagining the story. Um, this one, we were pretty far out there, um, especially visually, and that's why I mean, Sisman, uh, um, Sleeman, Sleeman. I'm going to butcher. Yeah. Uh, who did the art through the sort of meat of the book um, just did an amazing job of kind of giving the characters heart. Um, and Bill Sinkevich, yeah. he had the kind of, yeah, action. sorry. Could I just stop there for a second? Because yeah, I don't think people good. know, I mean, not to downplay <laughs> the main bulk of the book, which is really good sci-fi art, but your prologue is done by Bill Sinkevich. who's yeah. a living that legend. Was, so that's uh, cool. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Well, but, you know, that was and that was kind of part of what made it make sense for us to bring this into comics was that, you know, when Bill got on board, it was kind of like, yeah, you know, now we knew we had somebody who could who could go out there in your wildest imagination, because that's what Bill has. He has a wild imagination. And that's what is sort of required by the sort of scale and um, strangeness of this book, you know, that we wanted somebody who could wanted, frankly, we wanted somebody who give us something we couldn't imagine. Right. I mean, we, we already yeah. had something that yeah. was pretty far out there and we wanted someone who could come up with something that we wouldn't have even thought of. 
and Bill's every, I mean, I don't think he can help but be original, you know, by his, by the nature of his art. Uh, I did want to ask Luke, obviously you've been working at Dynamite, but Ryan, I believe this is your first comic book as a fellow brought up from mint condition in Port Washington person to now getting to create a wow. comic book. How does that feel? Pete and Justin are so tired of hearing about the condition. I know. You <laughs> guys. A, store, a, store, a store, one they cannot visit. <laughs> Two, yeah. There are no photos of. Well, but going um, from like uh, comic yeah, no, book Tell me more about young... this Port Washington culture experience. <laughs> you guys, we got we're very close to the North Shore Animal League. You got publishers, <laughs> clearing houses right there. Sands Point Preserve, very fun. Wow, giant check market, Thanks. huge. Great Gatsby. Yeah. <laughs> you're, I, yeah, I, yeah. We're we're the uh, mayors on Foursquare at Port Washington. If you're honest, uh, <laughs> it's, it's a. Yeah, I never thought I would like ever be able to create a comic book. Like I was just listening to Matthew talk, and like you know, I had a fanzine growing up that I created like on Prodigy. You know, like with yeah. just like, uh, like people. Uh, I was on Prodigy. Oh, good. Maybe you were one of the contributing writers. Because <laughs> I was. I, I was Speedball was my name. So if that is. Oh, you were not... on the C. Were you on CCC? I think I was. Yes. Yeah. So you were Speedball there. Okay. So I was Venom. But you know, we'll find out. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit! Hey, I don't think that corner of the internet exists anymore. But was, I feel like doesn't... we spoke <laughs> together. We hundred percent did. So, so Prodigy was a big inspiration. <laughs> We'll talk about that in a little bit of different conversation. Prodigy <laughs> was an actual inspiration for um, alliances and new reality. When we talk about these digital Atlantis type, like internet forums that could exist and then disappear, right? Like sink into the ocean. So that's something that William Ackerson, who's in Orphans, created. And it's this idea of like, you can create something that can just disappear in the digital age. And this is something that lives with William and guilt throughout um, Orphans. But in terms of just making a comic book, I mean, it's huge. Like, I mean, I met Luke at Comic-Con. So listening to like this thing about Matthew talk about, um, you know, the way how important Comic-Con is, it's like vital to my whole life. Um, and then to be able to make it with dynamite is like, so like unbelievable. And to make it with Bill, who, you know, is a, an incredible artist who was my first exposure to comic books was like Batman 400. So it's like, you know, his cover. And it's just like, yeah, it's a, it's, you know, it's a dream, man. Right. Like it's just, there's no complaints here. And, you know, dynamite and that whole team brought their such an incredible amount of care to the project, knowing that it was like one of Stan's last and like, you know, they have a long history with Luke and like everything was about quality. And I think that was something that, you know, yes. when they, you physically can hold a book, um, you'll see. It's like, it's a different kind of graphic novel, which I'm pretty happy about. So, yeah, I mean, it, it shows that you can be a fan one day and be a, you know, creator 30 years well, later. <laughs> speaking of uh, being Impressive. a fan, the, first off, this is really not only beautiful, we're talking about how awesome it is, but it's epic and it really does do a great job of bringing to this other world and kind of bringing, making you a part of everything. It, it feels so epic and, and space-like. I was really impressed. For you, what was your favorite part to see or to kind of put together, you know, after a comic book is made and you get to hold it in your hands? What were some of your kind of like favorite uh, moments along this ride? See, Ryan has his, I haven't gotten to hold this in my hands yet. I'm going to get, I, I think literally when we do our signing at Midtown uh, Comics on, on Fridays, oh, the first time I'm actually going to get the whole Midtown Comics, baby. <laughs> Wait, on Friday? So you're you're going to Bulgaria and then you're coming back? No, I'm going to Bulgaria on Sunday. 
Oh, okay. All right. Just try to get the time. <laughs> Alex, he <laughs> sent his itinerary. Like, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, no, I can't wait to. This is this is one I, I you know, I, I mean, switched you to a window seat if that's okay. It, I'm sorry. I just wanted you to be able to look out. It's uh, well. Yeah, it's business class only, man, for international travel. Try order. Try it sounds try selfish, try but like, flex. as as order an orphan is, on the way there. As important <laughs> as it is to make these books for like readers and other people, I I almost felt like I was sort of making this for myself. Like I really just want to copy myself. Like I really just want one that goes on my shelf. And if you're asking me, like my favorite part of it is probably the end. The end yeah. was kind of the thing that I was sort of the proudest of. And also, uh, Sleeman did a job because you know when you write the script for something like that. And it's like, here's a massive um, piece of technology wrapped around a, uh, a quasar coming out of a black hole, you know, and I'm not going to go any further into it than that, but it's like someone who really nails it, like, and, and manages to get all the character emotions and there's a, you know, it's, you know, a moment of high tension and, and they really managed to bring it home. I was, uh, I was very gratified by that. And obviously I like the prologue too, because that's, yeah. <laughs> Given that you are seeing it in literally graphic form with the graphic novel, assuming at some point you're going to go back to prose, potentially audiobooks, something like that, how does that change it now that you've actually seen what these characters look like and what this world looks like in a physical artistic form? Ryan, I'm gonna let you. Well, we still have we still have a we saved basically uh, a bunch of characters that have not been rendered fully, so. We still have a bunch that we have yet to see, so we're excited about that and finding cool. other, you know, artists and collaborating with people like Sliman and Bill who can like bring those to life. But I think this what thing with Alliance is like what I think is cool about it is because we are independent in the way we were approaching it, like we can do we're really flexible with what we can do, right? So we can like create throw something down into an audio drama, we can make it into a prose novel, we may want to do something as, as a comic book and make it so that it doesn't have to feel like this dense, like Luke was saying, PhD, like interact like it doesn't it shouldn't feel that way. And also, you know, we came out of that age where in the nineties where like there was always like a new universe or whatever, you know? Like and it's like you know, that sometimes was like rushed to it's like new universe, sixteen titles, here you go, have fun. And it's like in foil. <laughs> And it's like, for us, it's very, we, we want to be very slow with it. We want to, we have a lot of material that we want to unveil in a more, in a very uh, thoughtful way. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, it, the exciting part is to find the mediums and the great partners to work with, like, like Dynamite and Audible. But we did that. take a, uh, a chapter from um, New Reality, uh, Trick of Light. Our first project was audio and then also a full novel. The second project that Will Wheaton read for us, uh, New Reality at Audible, hasn't been in prose form yet. So we took um, our favorite chapter, which is also uh, basically where one of the main characters in the graphic novel gets his powers. And that's a, an extra on the back of the graphic novel. So that's there for you. And that, that's pro. Yeah. Awesome. Nice. Well, what is the future of this universe then? Whatever you can talk about. Ryan, you want to uh, hit it? I, well, man, I mean, I feel like I, this is like a lucky, I should call out my lotto number here because last time I said we're going to make a comic book and then like, you know, all then it and I got a couple other things and yeah, there was a comic book in front of us. <laughs> you look, we've got a big announcement coming at, uh, at the panel, panel. on Thursday. Yeah. Um, but you know, you can imagine we're going to be, ex we're going to explore different corners of this universe and then go deeper into all of those. So it's really like opening up, um, different kinds of corners of it. 
So we've been in the cosmic, we've been in the street level, you know, there's lots of other kinds of, uh, you know, supernatural and, you know, you're gonna, I mean, more young and young and fun type places to go. The, the story is going to both like we're going to drive the narrative forward because there's more story to tell and sort of the core uh, through line of the narrative. And then we're also just going to expand out. And every once in a while, I mean, as you expand, sometimes there's opportunities to go back and kind of explore a little backstory here and there. And, you know, I mean, we, the nice thing about one, having all this development that we did with Stan and two, like being our own masters and and having you know ownership and control over the universe is that we can kind of pick and choose which stories we want to tell in which mediums and at which times and you know i mean this was orphans was a lot of work so we have you know our announcements that we're going to make and then there's also part of me that's just kind of like you know we just sort of finished this story and like we kind of know what the next stories are because they're something we developed years ago, but like now we have to actually kind of build that, build those houses, you know, like yeah. we have, this is now we have to go get our hammer and nail and build them. You know, well, this is a lot, this is a long way of saying we're going to become stonemasons. That's where Luke is going. Yeah. Like area. Ah, I do. Masonry and just you great know, trade. Long history and the school, that's where the tablets come in. He's stuck going to knock them, <laughs> knock them out. <laughs> Amazing. Guys, congratulations on yeah, the book. Congrats. Very excited for everybody to check it out. And congratulations on the big announcements coming this weekend at New York Comic Con. Good seeing you again. Thank you so much. See you guys. See you guys too. We'll see always you good on, to see uh, you. Prodigy. We'll see you on Prodigy. Yeah, on I mean, what? this is true. I, well, I don't know how well, we would exactly. ever track this down, but we have spoken <laughs> in the... Yeah, you know what? I'm going to find you. Well, Grendel is also out there right now. Go but check I out. definitely remember talking to that person. <laughs> <laughs> Was it a person? Okay. That's <laughs> what we all right. understand. This all right. is, go. is going to fuck me up for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Before we fuck it up further, thanks so much for coming on, guys. We'll check you later. See you guys. Bye. All right. There we go. Once again, oh, it is called Alliances Orphans from Ryan Silbert and Luke Lieberman. You can check it out from Dynamite. And we are going to move on with our next section, which is my favorite section, because you all make it up. It is your audience questions. All right. And for audience questions, all you got to do is drop a question and ask a question here on Crowdcast or in the comments over on YouTube, and we will get right on them. But first, guys, we have a sponsor on this week's episode. Whoa. Whoa. Can you believe it? This week's episode is sponsored by Just Forget About It. The podcast is hosted by a group of friends who started talking about random scenarios during car shares and wanted to bring their wild conversations to the world. Have you ever wanted to visit a real-life Jurassic Park? What would you do if aliens invaded or there was a zombie apocalypse? What is the best thing since sliced bread? Just forget about it. Talks about random what-if scenarios as if they're real. But here's something that is very real. You can find Just Forget About It on pretty much all major podcasting platforms. Apple, Google, Castro, Overcast, and Spotify. It's hosted on Podvine. Don't you forget about it. Just forget about it. What? Nice. I don't know. I didn't nail that one. I wrote that one as well. I don't, hey, I don't know if you guys could tell. Hey, you, did, you did great. I, I like when you were pointing. Signature Zalbin in there. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Speaking of Signature Zalbin, let's talk about tonight's Signature Cocktails. First of all, thank you to Brett Macris for that Sorry, one. Sorry, bullies. But what are we drinking tonight, fellas? 
Justin? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll shout it out. I'm drinking two great New York State beers that I really Ooh, like. Uh, this Ruby Red Kolsch from Genesee. This is like a soda. It tastes like a soda. It's very good. A soda uh, it's the closest to Alex's pumpkin spice shit that I can ever get. And uh, I did it for Alex. And then, of course, you got the Pills Mafia. Um, oh, Thin Man Brewery. He's a Bills fan, so you see what he Go did Pills. there. This is, I mean, I am a Bills fan. A heck of a game. Thing. Great game against uh, the Ravens. This is My a great Pilsner. He was? Ooh. Yeah. Uh, he was probably rooting for the wrong team. No, no. He was rooting for the right team, dude. He went all uh, Bills gear. Oh, uh, my man. Rolling deep, yeah, yeah. It's weird that you're a Giants fan. He's, we can talk about this later. All right, you're losing. This, this you're is losing a great, come on. This is a great Pilsner <laughs> um, no matter uh, what football team you root for. Or none at all. Pete, what are you checking? Wow, let's go down there. I got a. Uh, I went to my local uh, beer place that wasn't douchey. Oh, and, this is uh, not the place that scares you into buying beer. No, no, that's okay. that was in yeah. that was in West Philadelphia, uh, where raised. I wasn't born or raised. Okay. Uh, this is in no B-more, peanut butter so... milkshake pilsner or whatever. You from no, it's called Bail Money, and uh, it's uh, it's quite delicious. It's uh at, at first I was like I don't know if I'm gonna like this but the more I drink it the more I'm like man this is <laughs> oh, well interesting yeah. I am drinking a Basil Hayden's dark rye that I've Who been kind you? of obsessed with the past week it's very fancy I love it yeah. Alex is entering his Hemingway face <laughs> I think so I've been uh, my stupid October project I don't think I could do like 31 scary movies in 31 days but I'm very much enjoying when I have a free night. Just pour myself like two fingers of Basil Hayden's, watch a spooky movie, feel like Come a on, real dude. adult. Do, do three, bro. Don't don't mess around. Oh, he's just doing two fingers at a time. You know he's coming back for more. Yeah, when, when I say two fingers, it's just a splash of rye because otherwise I'll fall asleep and I stick my fingers in it to stir it are, up. Are the fingers going this way or are they two fingers this way? Well, that's that's not, I'm drinking. That's not a, yeah. Like this. No, Alex, no, no, nope. uh, no yeah, one wants. No one is suggesting. Let's not, let's not make it too weird. <laughs> All right, we got a question here. This is from Kevin. Hey. What's some? What's something you've never seen an oral history of, but really want to? <clears throat> Great uh, question. Comic, been... comic book club, I guess is. The <laughs> yeah. Sure. I guess we're sort of always doing an oral history. 100%. <laughs> we are an oral history. Yes. Uh, um, that's interesting. There's been so many oral histories. It's tough to call, but I would like to, you know, just for selfish reasons, love to hear like an oral history of Rochester, uh, learn some more th- new things about the place that I was born and raised. Uh, that's it would cool. be fun. Uh, cause there's I, I a lot of crazy works. Uh, this is not one, this is one that exists, but live from New York, the SNL oral history yeah. is Awesome. It is Great so read. good. Great read. Yeah. Um, uh, but I sort of right next door to that, I would throw out an oral history of like the New York uh, comedy scene. Like when we were coming up oh, like, yeah, dude. with the uh, sort of everything that was happening at, at UCB and all of the talent spinning out of just New York in general. Well, that was the. Was, uh... That was a tough thing. There was this like improv, uh, like comedy scene thing being made, uh, this like kind of documentary thing. And then the guy ended up getting like hired by at UCB and the whole thing kind of got tweaked. Uh, You're talking about Nate Dern, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I would love an oral history of the guy who was trying to do an oral history and then got shut down by UCB. He didn't get shut down. That's a story. 
he took over as artistic director, and then now he writes for the Tonight Show. So that's <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's killing the game. Show. But I mean, yeah. it was like that's was a great title, a killing general... the game. Yeah, the inside oh, story. It is, yeah. There it is, yeah. There it is, yeah. Yeah. Alex, you're a character in this, no doubt. Ooh, you were no, the AD at the uh, AD at the pit. That's yeah. that's a that's a spot, man. You saw it all and uh, running Sketchfest. Oh, uh, the stories I could tell. Yeah, and I, I have. Mean, I've often the told or, the oral history of Elephant Larry. <laughs> sure, why not? All right, we got one from Stray Bullet here. The major holidays are coming quick. One holiday has to go. Which one? No judgments. Ooh, wait, we're getting rid of a holiday. Yeah, we're getting rid of Holly. Tell you what, I'll get rid of Hanukkah. Here's the thing. Hanukkah is it's totally fine. fine. I have a nice time, but it's not as big of a deal as it's supposed to be, or the pressure people are like, you're celebrating Hanukkah, right? And I'm like, sure, I'm having some vodkas or whatever. Well, yeah, I mean, For example, your, your tonight is Yom Kippur. Pissed. I'm not supposed to eat. I'm having a big old glass of rye. <laughs> well, that's the, not really a meal. You don't though, disrespect <laughs> the Yom Kips like that, bro. Come on, man. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, man. The Yum Kips. Um, yeah, Pete, I'll see Mary you at Shul later, right? Yeah, thank you. I appreciate Great. that. Pete and I are doing Toshley tomorrow. He knows yeah. What <laughs> um, Alex, uh, there was yeah, a uh, audience question on our Slack uh, that I... Wait, uh, you haven't I, answered hey, which you holiday answered... you'd get rid of. I did. I did answer, but you guys what don't care. So. I said Valentine's Day. Oh, nice. Uh, uh, I think we're talking about Thanksgiving, Hanukkah, Christmas. It said... New holidays years. and so i oh, went okay. with the most i guess i'd get rid of marber day while we're cheating there we go there's nothing wrong <laughs> with cheating. cheating it's not cheating um, i i love holidays i think more I, th- I say we need more but if i'm gonna get rid of one i would say new year's day that's a that's a fake one it's weird that we have new year's <laughs> no day. we need that day dude you need that day to pull yourself no. back together try to I disagree. I think we would be able to connect and tell more crazy stories if we all had to go do stuff on our hungover day. No way. Oh, yeah. Don't make me do stuff when I'm hungover. That's not cool. Pete, you got a question from the Patreon Slack? Hit us I up. I do. Yeah. So Jake, who's not from State Farm, asks, uh, as uh, kids, what movies did you guys remember being unreasonably scared by? Uh, uh, my answer is Roger Rabbit because Christopher Lloyd's eyes haunted me uh, for many years as a child. Really fucked my shit up. And uh, yeah, yeah, that was that's yeah. my answer. So I just got to write down, send Pete eyeballs <laughs> in the mail. Oh, man. Just to Please really don't. scare the shit out of him. Um, there's a, the instant answer for me is the movie Nothing But Trouble. Uh, oh, which was God, this yeah. like very weird comedy that like Dan Aykroyd is in and a bunch of other like people, random people. Oh, dude, is the, the two giant babies? Oh my God, yeah, dude, terrifying oh, as a that child. whole sausage thing really fucked me up too. When they're eating those creepy, uh, yeah, the two I'll throw out there, which are actually probably very similar. One, How very specifically, the Wheelers from uh, mm. Return to Oz. Return to Oz scary the, very the scary. desert the desert the wheelers like were a little cause for concern but the desert that turned you into sand i was oh. terrified of sand yeah i didn't like that yeah. but the other one which i mentioned the other day to my family they're like what are you talking about because we uh too much but we i was telling them about super bad three the end of super bad three the robot lady great oh, nightmares. answer yeah. also that when that computer sucks in that lady, I was like, I'm gonna have to quit my prodigy BB with my man Venom and Grendel over there because that was scary. 
Yeah, um, I told but... my wife about that, and I was like, "You were probably scared too." And she's like, "Well, my dad worked on computers, so it wasn't a big deal for me." And I was like, "All right, wow. yeah, she had a lot of relatives. Well, I like how you're computers all the time." Marnie flexed on you. She was like, "My yeah, dad works in computers, so she's like, grow up, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> get it together." <laughs> all so right, like, we we got a great question here in the in the comments on Crowdcast from Have You Nerd. Um, I love when we learn random facts that need to even uh, that surprise even you guys like Pete's volleyball career. Also, very true. <laughs> what is something? Uh, what is something learned years after knowing each other that blew your mind? Wow. Um, I mean, Pete is a never ending font of crazy <laughs> nonsense that I'm like, you did what? Uh, no. Talking with the Costa Rica story that you tell. Um, the uh, the story with your friend whose name is like um, the vegan, the extreme vegan dream, the unseen vegan dream, unseen vegan dream, and all that. Did you Just... tell a story also about seeing a real ghost? Yep, that yeah. was in the past couple of years. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. All of Pete's stories. Is <laughs> the, the answer is all of Pete's stories. And we are going to move on with our next section which is trivia, and for that, we're going to turn over to Pete LePage. All righty. Peter J. LePage. I like how you're putting the J on it. Um, All right. Hey, guys, this is the part where we give back to you, the lovely audience. It's an opportunity to win 25 free dollars in the form of a Midtown Comics gift card. because Or... Or a Long John Silver's gift card. Oh, that's right. My bad, my bad. Yeah, you have the choice. And choices are important. Uh, (laughs) So, yeah, we're looking for, unless we have a selected somebody, we're looking for a first-hand-up person, a brave volunteer, whether you're on the tube or the cast. You know, either way, uh, we're looking for somebody to uh, be brave enough to take this. Oh, here we go. Volunteer here. All right. Going to bring you on in. Have you nerd? to do yeah. trivia and again this is going to be for your choice hello hey, how are you so hey what's up hey so this is for your choice of either a midtown comics gift card or a long john silver's gift card your choice you can let us know at the end yeah you or can think about it for yeah yeah yeah, yeah. all yeah, right all right all right i'll think about it okay Good. all right take it away <laughs> pete all right, today's trivia is on topical comic news and a small nod to the legend Coolio, R.I.P. Please course. listen to all three options before making your selection. Here we go, question number one. According to Newsarama's best powerless superheroes list of all time, who is number nine? Is it A, Lex Luthor, B, The Punisher, or C, Vivica A. Fox? Hmm. So it's either A, why would I put that in there? Or it's B, the Punisher. B, Punisher. You are correct, sir. Wow, number nine? Number nine, not great showing. No. Come on, dude, top ten? Yeah, you're right. I thought that was pretty good. Made the top ten. All right, here we go. Question number two. What is the name of the new on-demand comics printing service? Is it A, wehatetrees.org, or is it B, GC Press, or is it C, Stugi Kenyatta? So it's either A, which I made up, or it's B, the GC Press. B, the GC Press. That's right. All right, here we go. Last one. 
Who is joining Cap in the new Captain America Cold War crossover event? Is it A, Steve Jensen, B, Emma Frost, or C, Jeep Swenson? So, so A or C I made up. B is an actual character. Oh, B then, sorry. B is correct. Yes. Emma Frost teams up Emma with Frost. Captain America. I'll go see how that works. But Weird. it's Cold War. You get it? Because Frost... Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, congratulations, you did it. Would you like a $25 gift card to Midtown Comics to get some comics or a $25 gift card to Long John Silver's to get some fish? Um, I'll take the prize. Midtown comic. I don't got a lot of Long John Silver around. All right, fair nice. enough. Email us at comicbookclublive at gmail.com with your name and info, <laughs> and we will get that off to you. And do you have a guess as to what the secret Coolio movie was that Pete was hinting at? I I can't even think of uh, Vivica Fox and Coolio together, and I don't That's remember. Right. Together, it sounds one like movie. a beautiful dream. Yes, yeah. it does. Yeah. <laughs> All right, it, what no is idea. it? It is the 1997 movie Batman and Robin. Oh shit! Wow. Yeah. Coolio is in that. <laughs> Coolio is in was, that. Was he Batman or Robin in that? Uh, he was a, a, a banker. He was in the bank. Mm. Ah. when it was robbed. That's right. All right, there we go. Thanks Take for coming care. on. Have Take a good care. night. You Take too. care. Later, man. All right. As nice. we all know, comics are cool and they're coming out all the time. Justin, what are you looking forward to that's coming out this week? Oh, well, let me have a look. How many comics are we talking about this week on the stack? All oh. the fuck of them, you psychopath? <laughs> yeah, seriously, bro. <laughs> Wait, can, uh, we, can we talk about this here? I just want to mention this. So I, I said the comics in advance for the stack so we could read through them. I don't know if you guys know this, but it actually emails me when you download them, when you download the comics, so uh, I know when uh-oh. you start <laughs> reading them. So Pete, I just wanted to check in. Based on when you downloaded, I, I calculated that by the time the show hits, you oh, would have man. needed to have read uh, one comic every seven minutes without stopping for breaks. Mm-hmm. How'd that go? <laughs> it went good, man. You know, I made oh, it. I'm here at the show. Well, I'm ready really to talk comics. So really I'm glad up. that you're doing extra math. I don't know how much free time you have. You're I was job. worried. That's why I was worried. That's all. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to give it up for, um, I really like this Miracle Man number zero comic that came out from Marvel. Um, jumping around, uh, Neil Gaiman does the first, or sort of the wraparound story. Um, and the Miracle Man sort of universe is something that I feel like Marvel keeps flirting with really doing more of and doesn't ever really do it. And um, again, this feels like maybe a half step toward actually doing something, but I'm looking forward to potentially more of that. And uh, I'm looking forward to talking to you more about that on the stack because I have questions. Oh, great. Uh, That's uh, what a great tease for the stack. We uh, Pete's going to ask me questions. Pete, what are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward to Kaya number one as well as Gotham City year one number one. Mm. Exciting. I'm going to give a shout out to Dark Ride number one from Image Comics. This is reuniting Ah, Joshua Williamson and Andre Bresson from Birthright. Love that book. Very excited. My favorite book. This is about a horror theme park. They tease this in the Image Comics 30th anniversary anthology that's going on. Very fun story there. So I was pretty hyped to get into this and excited to talk to you guys about that book and other books on the Stack Podcast, which rolls out in the Comic Book Club feed 
and its own dedicated stack feed Wednesday at 9 a.m. And folks, that is it for this week's show. A couple of people we want to thank. We want to thank Ryan Silbert and Luke Lieberman coming on, talking about Alliance's Orphans, out for yep. Dynamite. Also, Matthew Clickstein. Check out Fantagraphics. See you at San Diego. An oral history of Comic-Con fandom and the triumph of geek culture, which is out now. Next week, Dennis Robinson is going to be here to talk about Lycan, Solomon's Odyssey. And Matt Wisniewski is going to be here to talk about Faceless and the Family. Bunch of other podcasts to pug. Marvel Vision, our Marvel podcast, is recapping She-Hulk Weekly. We may have two episodes this week with She-Hulk and Werewolf by Night, so that should be fun. Also, the Doom Room, our Doom Patrol podcast, out weekly on Thursdays. The Umbrella Podcademy, our Umbrella Academy podcast, starting to wrap up the season on Mondays. Patreon.com slash comic book club. Support this podcast and all the podcasts we do. You can subscribe on Apple, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice at Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on Instagram, ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you on the Prodigy Bulletin. Like, does that part of the internet still exist? Like, is it out there? It's not, right? It's not, right? It's got to find you, bro. They can find you. They know what you do.